gentlemen, Rob Port here on WDAY. It's the Rob Report. Your call-in number, 701-293-9000. Email talk at WDAY.com. There's a toll-free number, too, 888-970-9329. You can tweet me, too, at Rob Port if you like. Coming up at 1.30, we're going to talk about, uh, earlier this week, President Donald Trump issued a new executive order replacing his previous executive order regarding uh, immigration and refugee resettlement. Um, it's, 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 um, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to have immigration lawyer, uh, David Chapman on. He actually, he literally deals with this stuff on a regular basis. Like he is where the rubber meets the road, representing people who are, are tied up in this process. So we'll get, we'll get the, the skinny from him about what this means and how likely this order is to, uh, to stand up before the courts. The previous one ran into legal troubles, which is no doubt why the president replaced it with a new order. So we'll talk about that coming up at one thirty. Good afternoon, Natil. How are you? Doing pretty good. How are you today? Not doing too bad. The weather we calmed have... down out there a little bit? Uh, it's blowing. It, the, the wind is really still blowing. Yeah, the wind's I mean, really bad out here, too, but we don't have like, any snow. It's not snowing. We we probably, I probably snowblowed about five, six inches off the driveway this morning. Good gravy. Yeah, not fun. But so it goes. The schools were late in Minot, too. Didn't cancel them, but we had a delayed start. So in in the ongoing Dakota Access Pipeline drama, uh, we seem to be nearing the end uh, in what is in, in an opinion that doesn't wrap up the legal challenges against the pipeline. But certainly, I, I think, especially given that, that the pipeline is expected to be completed and flowing oil within days, um, Certainly, I think maybe represents one of the last nails in the coffin of the fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, and, and, and for those of you who haven't been following that closely along, the original lawsuit against the pipeline was filed by the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. They alleged violations of federal law protecting culturally significant, historically significant areas, You're saying that the construction of the pipeline was going to damage, um, you know, archaeological finds or whatever. Uh, that, that lawsuit is actually still pending. Um, previous injunctions to halt the pipeline uh, were rejected. Um, there was a second lawsuit that was filed by the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, and that one made an argument based on religious freedom. And the argument was that the Dakota Access Pipeline, by crossing under Lake Oahe, so, so just transporting oil near the Lake Oahe Reservoir would violate the religious liberty of the Sioux tribes who use that water for religious ceremonies, they allege. So, and, and, and they also say, by the way, that the Dakota Access Pipeline is the fulfillment of what's called the Black Snake Prophecy, which is this, this um, you know, that, that a black snake uh, would be coiled in, in the tribe's homeland, which would harm uh, and devour the people. Um, so what's really interesting is that if you read Judge Boesberg's opinion on this, and I have the full thing up at sayanythingblog.com, and I, I think it's worth reading because a lot of times, you know, we get the headlines about, you know, the judge did this, the, the defendants did that, the plaintiffs did that, 
and we don't really drill drill down into the arguments that they were literally making. And the arguments that the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe was making in this case were absurd. Uh, from page 21 of the opinion, I, ha- I have it excerpted uh, at sayanythingblog.com, and you can read the full opinion there as well. The judge points out, you know, saying, well, you say this pipeline is going to violate your religious liberty because it's going to transport oil underwater that you find sacred. And by the way, it, the pipeline doesn't touch the water. It goes like 100 feet under the riverbed, you know, so it's it's in dirt. It's in rock. It's not in the water. But anyway, you know, he's saying, well, well, you say this, but the judge points out that there is an existing natural gas pipeline that crosses right at that same point. There are already pipelines which flow oil across the Missouri River upstream from Lake Oahe. And Lake Oahe itself could hardly be part of some ancient Lakota prophecy about a black snake, given that it's a man-made reservoir that's about 60 years old. I quote from the opinion, The difference between the natural gas pipeline and DAPL is that the tribe believes that the crude oil that is supposed to flow through the, the latter is the fulfillment of a Lakota prophecy of a black snake that would be coiled in the tribe's homeland, which would harm uh, and devour the people. Uh, the oil in Dapple, like the black snake, is black, it is slippery, and it moves, the judge says, quoting the arguments of the of the uh, the tribe. As to the other oil pipelines upstream of Lake Oahe, Cheyenne River asserts only that Lake Oahe constitutes its area of concern. Again, quoting Cheyenne River's... Uh, Lawyers, we're not concerned about oil pipelines that may be somewhere above, outside of waters that we own in Lake Oahe. So they're saying, well, we don't care about the natural gas pipeline, and we don't care about those other oil pipelines. We just care about the Dakota Access Pipeline crossing Lake Oahe because it fulfills the Black Snake prophecy. But the judge addresses that as well. He says, I quote, the record is not clear whether the Black Snake prophecy was made before or after Lake Oahe was created nearly 60 years ago. The tribe's brief contends that, quote, Lakota religious adherents now in their 50s and 60s were warned of the black snake by their elders as children. Vance states that the prophecy was made, quote, a long time ago. Presumably, the prophecy was issued after Lake Oahe was created. Otherwise, the presence of pipelines upstream of the lake, including one that crosses 7.5 miles to its north, would be hard to reconcile with the tribe's belief that Dapple alone is the black snake. I'm reading this because it's, again, I I think it illustrates the absolute absurdity of the legal arguments against the pipeline. Now, I don't don't begrudge the tribes their opportunity to have their day in court and, and to challenge this and litigate this out, but... I gotta think that when you're when you're being this cavalier about invoking the religious rights of the tribes, when you're doing so in such a transparently cynical and calculated manner, you are you are demeaning the meaning of those religious rights. I mean, this this black snake prophecy, I'm sorry, it sounds like it's just made up. It really does. Because they're arguing that this black snake snake prophecy somehow, uh, you know, relates to Lake Oahe and everything else. But Lake Oahe is not that old, and it's man-made. 
And it's a little hard to buy that this one pipeline, as opposed to the eight other or whatever the number is, pipelines that cross upstream, this one specifically is the black snake. It's silly. It's 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 it, it, it is a perversion of our rights to religious liberty. And it's really unfortunate because this is what the the activists the activist groups that have provided lawyers to the tribes, groups like Earth Justice and what have you, this is what they've been tying up our courts with. This is the stuff that we've been arguing. And it's silly. It's, it's ludicrous. It's, it's them flinging mud against the wall trying to see what sticks. Absolutely absurd. And rightfully rejected by the judge. Who, by the way, says that the overall lawsuit, the judge was was rejecting a request for an injunction. And in, in doing so, you know, basically ruled that he didn't think the overall lawsuit was going to be successful. So this is it. The pipeline's going to be completed. Oil's going to be flowing. The tribes will have lost. And it's, 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 it's the whole thing was what a waste. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. She's my little girl. She's so glad she's telling all the world that her Welcome back, Rob Report, WDAY. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine is a toll-free number. You can tweet me, too, at Rob Port. I got somebody on Twitter requesting uh, Toto, out of, uh, Toto by Africa, or Africa by I don't even know. They want that for bump music. Sure, we can go out with that one. No, I vetoed it. Absolutely oh. not. <laughs> okay, I hate that well, song. Fine. This isn't this isn't this is a benevolent dictatorship. I am uh. willing to take suggestions for bump music, but I am not at anybody's mercy. And I've got an open mind. I'll try something new, but no way. Alrighty. Not that one. I hate that song. Oh God. <laughs> there are certain songs that come on that you just you just absolutely it it just it yeah, it but, triggers it, it it triggers me to use the parlance you, of you you millennials. Now you oh, you millennials, <laughs> you're not that much older than me. Yeah, I, I miss I miss the millennial generation. I think by like one year. But, also, right. you realize that by telling me that you hate it, you make it so much more oh. tempting for me to play, and I am the one with all of Mateo, the control over the buttons. Don't, don't do it. We've got <laughs> we've got a good thing going. Don't do it. That one, I'll tell you the song I, I used to, because I, I used to, I delivered papers for uh, for years for the Minot Daily News up here, uh, starting in fourth grade, fifth grade maybe, I, gosh, I even forget. I did it all, all the way through high school, um, bought my first car with the money, and but every morning I would put on, I had a little radio that I'd carry around with me with headphones while I was delivering papers, and the local radio station played... Um, 
this song called Sledgehammer. I don't even know who sings it, but this Sledgehammer song, you know, Sledgehammer, you know, um, hit them when they're up, hit them when they're down. That one, I hated that song. And it, it seemed like every morning they were playing it while I'm walking around. And to this day, I hear it, and it just makes me cringe, just makes me, ugh, God. This song is horrible. Who is playing this song? Why is this song still on the radio out of the massive library of wonderful music that we have created? Why this song? It's terrible. Anyway, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Now that I got that out of my system. You have a song like that that you just hate that comes on and just makes you want to throw the radio out the window? Not that I can think of. Well, it's not entirely true. I can't listen to anything by Ed Sheeran. I don't even know who that is. He's a pop singer right now who's really popular. I just, I can't, I can't take it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's where we're at. So uh, the Dakota Access thing looks like that's on rails finally. And you know what? Good riddance. I'm, I'm glad to have the issue out of the state. I'm glad the camps are closed. I wish we could have had a more productive sort of debate about it, but... Again, I I don't think I don't think that debate was ever really about the merits of the pipeline itself. Uh, I think it was a good process which led to the approval of the pipeline. I am not necessarily against uh the idea of reviewing the process to make sure that we are respecting the the you know the, the tribe's obvious the obvious interests of indigenous peoples and the tribes in the process, you know, I'm open to reforming that, but it's a good project. And at the end of the day, it's going to pump a product that we all use. And the only people opposing it are extremists who don't want us to use that product, who who seem to think that if we just, if, if they just obstruct enough, if they just find whatever they can find, whether it's absurd religious liberty arguments or what have you, if they just keep working that and, and, and cause enough riots and enough violence and, 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 you know, tie things up in court long enough, that I guess will stop using oil. And it's, it's, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. It is a s- absurd political position. Uh, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't have gotten as much credibility as it did. But I guess that's the world we live in today with, you know, social media and everything able to, to create a, a firestorm around issues like that. And by the way, talking about the, um, you know, the, the fake news stuff, I, I saw I saw Facebook was going to start tagging stories now as as fake news or whatever, which as somebody who has run a website for a long time, trust me, that is not a rabbit hole Facebook really wants to go down because they are putting themselves in a position of being a referee over what is and is not accurate on the Internet and not even Facebook as the sort of resources to do a good job at that. Um, I'm still a proponent of the idea that we should all just decide for ourselves. And as imperfect as that is, that's probably the best way. But anyway, I mean, if you want to talk about fake news, the campaign of fake news that was waged around the Dakota Access Pipeline was truly something remarkable. I mean, it, it was sort of a sort of a lesson in, in how in how that works, but. I'm glad it's over. I, I couldn't be more happy that this is not going to be something that that I have to write about anymore. Um, I'm glad it's going to be done. It's going to be good for the state. It really is. One of our most important industries. We're going to transport the product that industry produces safely to market. It's a good thing. Don't you think, Nathiel? Maybe Nathiel doesn't feel that way. Well, I have I have a hard time just 
saying, yep, it's all said and done and it's a, it's a great thing now. I, I think that that oil definitely needs to move. I just, you know, it's, it's tough to see legitimate concerns by the Native people not being fully addressed yet. Yeah. And I don't know how I don't know how legitimate some of the concerns are. I don't know how legitimate all of the concerns are, but I think there are some legitimate concerns mixed up in all of this. Yeah. And it it But it, whose fault is that that well, they got mixed up? I yeah, mean, who who, that, who invited in the extremists? That's not your fault and that's not my fault, but right. I I still see suffering that's probably going to end up happening because this got out of control so quickly one 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 suffering i think we could is is the people who are calling for a ban on the tribal casinos especially prairie nights at standing rock stop it get over let's, it let's go back to being neighbors right let's try to get let's try to move past this we had chairman uh, mark fox from the three affiliated tribes that was his message when he was on this show last week i think it's a good one let's get back to being neighbors again let's 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 figure out how to live together again all right, going to go ahead. Uh, we're going to talk about the immigration ban. Immigration attorney David Chapman on the program. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, WDAY. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. I'm going to join our guest, David Chapman, about the Trump's latest executive order on uh, on immigration here in a moment. Uh, but first, we have a caller, Craig, who uh, had a comment. Go ahead, Craig. Hey, Rob, I just wanted to say, you know that song you're referring to, um, Hit Him When They're Up, Hit Him When They're Down? Yeah. Well, that's by Don Henley with the Eagles, and you know what it's about? About what? Rupert Murdoch. Really? Is brutal, it really? Brutal, how brutal the media can be and how dirty the media can be, and it'd be absolutely a perfect song considering what Trump is going through with the media right now. Huh. I still hate the song. <laughs> yeah, well, just listen to the words once. It, uh, it, it really is right on for... Today's it's, it's funny because Rupert Murdoch runs the outlets that are probably most favorable to Trump. Well, th- no, that could very well be. But uh, it, 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 the song goes all the way back to the, like 2005. Well, I, but, I uh, hate it. I hate it. it yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I, can't, anyway, I can't stand I said, it when I, it comes off. That little piece of tip that there. Well, I appreciate it. That's uh, that's what we like here on the show. You like you like that? A little, uh, little crowdsourcing the information on the music. How do you like that? little music history. Better than Google, even. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jay says uh, he's right on the money, and the song is called Dirty Laundry. A song came out in the early 80s. Yeah. Well, they were playing it a lot in the 90s while I was doing my paper out, and it was terrible. It's terrible today. It's a terrible song. It was. It's an insult to the music industry. Don Henley should be ashamed of himself. That's what I think. That's my strong opinion on this. But let's get off music. Let's go to our guest, David Chapman. Do you like that song, David? Are you a Don Henley fan? Um, not really, no. Not really. Good taste. <laughs> We're going to get along. Okay, let's talk about this issue with the executive order. I mean, this has been a this has been just a monumental issue since you know it came up back during the campaigns last year. Uh, Trump issued an executive order what was it, a few weeks ago now uh, that was promptly challenged in court, ran into some problems. He has now issued a new executive order. 
Tell us, David, what does this new order do that is different than the, the previous order that he put in place? Well, the new order puts in place the same uh, 90-day hold on the uh, immigration of people from various countries in the Middle East, uh, six countries uh, specifically, and it takes one of the countries out, uh, which was Iraq. Uh, it uh, does not lump it in with the other group anymore. Um, the other thing, of course, it does is it walks back the uh, religious uh, refugee uh, preference or the uh, putting them to the front of the line. So in light of that, because previously, you know, we've, we heard, and there's all sorts of punditry on this, so, so cut through some of this for us. Is, is this one more likely to stand up to legal scrutiny? Um, well, I thought the last one should have stood up to legal scrutiny as well, but the current one definitely will. Uh, the Supreme Court has said that Congress has what's called plenary power over immigration, and they can delegate that power to the president, which they've done here. And it's not them delegating a legislative function, it's an executive function to make findings of fact and determinations on discretionary issues. So that is within the power of the president under the delegation of power to him. So I do think it'll stand up, and I primarily think that taking Iraq out of that uh, pool of countries will give the executive branch an even stronger case because they're now able to satisfy any kind of uh, attempt to even look at it on a rational basis test uh, the courts. Well, why was it so important taking Iraq out of the mix? <clears throat> well, beforehand, there was this argument about uh, he's simply trying to put in place a ban of sorts on various countries from the Middle East where they're predominantly Muslim. And the courts came up with the argument, well, uh, with the question, prove to us that anyone from any of these countries has attacked any Americans. And by taking Iraq out of there, what uh, the president did in his executive order was, he said, number one, Iraq is fighting ISIS across their country. And number two, they put in place various systems to help with vetting and help with information provision. Uh, that shows the purpose of the executive order originally, and this new one now is exactly what he said it was, which was to provide information. Now, of course, there's the alternative as well, which is uh, I understand the Iraqis were very, very angry about being put on that list to begin with. So uh, being taken off of there, it's part politics, but it's also support for this new executive order. 701-293-9000 if you have any comments or questions. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Give us some context here because, I mean, obviously this is a this is a political conflagration that flared up back during the campaign. Now Trump's going on. I think what we have learned with Donald Trump, you know, I, I think Americans are sort of caught between two unreliable narrator, narrators here. I mean, we have the Trump administration, which... To, to one degree or another, obviously it's their executive order, so maybe they're not entirely objective about it. Uh, but on the other side, we have a lot of people who are, are reacting to this as though, uh, you know, it, it was like something the Nazis would have implemented. So uh, give us a call. I mean, how how unusual is this? I mean, how what uh, real world on the ground in terms of people coming into our country? How unusual is this? How how you know how, how much are we are we doing here? How much is we really changing? Well, I think that uh, the executive order itself, I think if you look at the countries that are targeted here, there are specifically three of them where we have no embassy. 
Uh, we have no embassy, no consulate. We have no real ability to get information from those countries. And when it comes down to it, the executive order itself talks not only about terrorist attacks upon American citizens, but also the aid and support to others who would commit terrorist acts. So the executive order is taking a much broader approach here in that they're not simply saying, well, we're, we're going to target the terrorists, we're going to target the entire network. Uh, that includes people who might come here from those countries to take legitimate jobs. Uh, they're not the ones waving around the AK-47, but they're earning money that might go to these organizations. Uh, we have others who come here, maybe learn technical information. And specifically, the Department of Commerce looks at controlling technical information, getting outside the country through what's called the Export Control Act. But terrorists don't care about that, and we've got to stop them from taking information in their head out of the country that they can then use against us, our allies, or against military targets around the world as well. Do you feel like, I, I, I mean, I, I, think, I think most Americans want, I want people to come to our country, right? I like the idea of America being this, this shiny beacon on the hill, shining city on the hill that people want to come to. I like being that. Um, and I want people who are going to come here and who are going to become Americans and are going to find prosperity and, and generally enrich our society. I think that's a good thing. On the other hand, I don't want dangerous people who are going to come here and, and attack us and promote extremism. I don't want that. So how effective a policy is this in, in reaching that goal that I think most Americans, if they were honest with themselves, would agree that's what we want? Right. Well, and I think that's absolutely correct. Uh, and as an immigration lawyer, that's definitely something that I support, is having people come here who want to live in our society and, you know, raise family and have a life here, honestly. And, you know, as the president has even said, he wants people who are going to come here who will love this country as opposed to people who will come here to attack the country. And this order, it. What it does is it sets up a scheme where the government can then focus on getting information from these six foreign countries and assessing their own ability to vet the people from these countries. These six countries will stay on the list if they cannot provide proper information to the country. Because, yes, it's a good goal uh, to have immigration to the country. This country does benefit from it. Uh, there's a lot of educated people who come here who contribute uh, to the country. A lot of uh, companies have been founded by immigrants. Uh, Supreme Court justices have been immigrants who have served on the Supreme Court. So immigration is beneficial to the country, but at the same time, we should not adopt an open door that also puts us at risk. And it's the not knowing the background of the people who are coming in from these countries. Uh, places like Libya, for instance, there's really nobody in charge over in Libya right now. Uh, everybody's shooting at everybody. Uh, then on the other side, you have Somalia, where the executive order says Somalia, the government really is trying to control terrorism and control the country there, but they aren't quite there yet in terms of having the capacity. So they cooperate with us, and they're uh, making efforts to improve the system, but they're not quite there yet. Uh, then we have countries like Iran, which are state sponsors of terrorism, and they frankly don't want to work with us uh, to try and control terrorism. Last question: What? What? What is the? I mean, assuming 
and obviously there's going to be legal challenges filed against this, and we're going to see requests for injunction and everything else. But setting all that aside, assuming this policy gets implemented, what are the next you know three months look like? The next three months is for the government, for the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of State to assess the information coming from these countries and whether or not they're going to get cooperation that is appropriate to allow them to put in place systems uh, to properly vet people coming from those countries. If they don't do that, then they're going to remain on the list. Uh, And at the same time, there's also a review of countries that are not on the list. Uh, There may be countries put on the list who aren't on there right now, but these countries are on there primarily for uh, reasons that they don't cooperate with us, they're state sponsors of terrorism, or they're, frankly, a war zone uh, where people are shooting at everybody. Well, David, thank you so much for your time today, and thank you for uh, bringing a little clarity. And uh, we'll try to have you on, as I guess, as this issue goes forward, if you don't mind, and and try to help people cut through some of the political miasma around it and, uh, and, and try to find some clarity. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you. It's David Chapman. He's an immigration attorney. We'll wrap things up right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, wrapping things up. On uh, tomorrow's show, of course, we're going to have on uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer for his uh, weekly town hall where uh, you can call and ask him questions. I have a feeling we're going to get a few questions about Obamacare because that's uh, and the the repeal, I guess, that, that Republicans have, have unveiled. Um, just uncertainty everywhere. But anyway, that's, you know, Republicans finally, it looks like, have their plan uh, for what they're going to replace Obamacare with. And I have a lot of feeling a lot of people are going to want to hear what Congressman Kramer has to say about that. Uh, so certainly that'll be uh, happening at one thirty tomorrow. Also at 1 o'clock, we'll have on Jason Flores from, uh, he is the North Dakota and Minnesota State Director for Americans for Prosperity, about a bill to institute an Internet sales tax Uh here in the state of North Dakota currently, and it's actually a U.S. Supreme Court. I don't know if you know this, Natil, but North Dakota has a place. Uh, it, it is precedent set by the U.S. Supreme Court in a lawsuit involving the state of North Dakota that, that Heidi Heitkamp actually litigated uh, back when she was attorney general. That is why uh, states cannot levy a sales tax on Internet companies that don't have a physical presence in their state. It's called Quill versus the state of North Dakota. And uh, and that's the precedent which which controls that that area of policy. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. And actually, funnily enough, it was litigated before really the Internet was used at all. Uh, it actually applied to catalog. I, I think it was a catalog company. And, and the state of North Dakota was trying to institute sales tax collections from a catalog company that had no physical presence in the state. Oh. And the, the Supreme Court found that if you want, if the state wants to collect sales tax, they can only do so if the the uh, if the company has a physical presence in the state. Which, by the way, if you shop on Amazon, that is why Amazon charges you a sales tax because Amazon has a physical presence in North Dakota. They had a facility here. I think a lot of these companies collect anyway. 
We'll talk more about that with Jason. The legislature's trying to do some stuff. We'll talk about that tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Jay Thomas Show coming up. Remember, you can catch me right here, 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Yes,